What is going on? Happy Tuesday. Pete Callender here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. And uh, I'm going to read to you real quick a series of planks in a party platform. Okay? And uh, just think to yourself, what party is Pete talking about? Right? Here are the planks. From the uh, from the platform, you ready? Lowering the minimum voting age to 18, the minimum age for representatives to 25, and universal suffrage, including for women. The abolition of the Senate and the creation of a National Technical Council on Intellectual and Manual Labor, Industry, Commerce, and Culture. End of the draft. Repeal of titles of nobility. A foreign policy aimed at expanding the nation's will and power in opposition to all foreign imperialisms. The prompt enactment of a state law sanctioning a legal workday of eight actual hours of work for all workers. A minimum wage. The creation of various government bodies run by workers' representatives. Reform of the old age and pension system and the establishment of age limits for hazardous work. Forcing landowners to cultivate their land or have them expropriated and given to veterans and farmers cooperatives. The obligation of the state to build rigidly secular schools for the raising of the people's moral and cultural condition. A large progressive tax on capital that would amount to a one-time partial expropriation of all riches. The seizure of all goods belonging to religious congregations and the abolition of Episcopal revenues. The review of all military contracts and the sequestration of 85% of all war profits. And finally, the nationalization of all arms and explosives industries what party what political party do you think had that platform if you guessed Mussolini's fascist party you are correct yes those right wingers anti-elitist stock market abolishing child labor ending public health promoting wealth confiscating draft ending secularist right wingers they're the ones who did it. They're the ones who had that that platform, which, by the way, is there a single item on that platform list that the American left right now would not agree with? Seriously. I mean, the minimum voting age to 18, lower the age of, uh, of congressional representatives, universal suffrage, creation of a national technical council on on labor, industry, commerce, and culture, ending of the draft. Although now I hear some of them, yeah, some some are like, well, we should give ourselves to the state. Yeah, so I, that, that, that part of it is, that might be problematic for them. Repeal titles of nobility, I think they'd be on board for that. A foreign policy aimed at expanding the country's will and power in opposition to imperialisms from other countries. Oh, yeah, the left in America, very against imperialism, right? Yeah. Enactment of a state law 
of eight-hour workday, actually an eight-hour workday. They'd be on board for that. Minimum wage, yes, they're on board for that. Creation of various government bodies run by workers, they're on board for that. Reform of the old age and pension system and limits on what kinds of work old people can do, yeah. Forcing landowners to cultivate their lands, like to use it for productive means or just have them taken by the government and given over to co-ops, yeah, I think they'd be on board for that. Um Obligation of the state to build rigidly secular schools. Uh, Yeah, check on that. They've already done it. And uh, the purpose of those schools would be to raise, well, in the original fascist party uh, uh, definition, they said, uh, to raise the proletariat's moral and cultural condition. Right, That's the purpose of the schools, which, yes, that is the purpose of the schools, right? What else do we got? The progressive tax on capital. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, partial expropriation of all riches. One time only, of course. So seizure of the money. So, yes, they're on board for that, obviously. Uh, seizure of all goods belonging to religious congregations and the abolition of Episcopal revenues. So this is actually a debate that you hear today, right, where they don't want churches to get tax-exempt status, right? Uh, the review of all military contracts and the sequestration of War profits. Yeah, they're on board for that, cutting the military spending and that sort of thing, and the nationalization of uh, arms and explosives industries. Right, so what, what would be the point of that? It's to direct all of the weaponry to the government, right? To the military, not to the people, because you, you nationalize them, all of them. So, again, out of this list, okay, aside from ending of the draft, but I actually think most of the modern left would be on board with that too. I don't think they want to see a draft uh, implemented, but all of these planks are uh, in, in my opinion, and you could have a different opinion. That's fair. But I think that basically all of these planks would be totally kosher for the modern left in America. And the, these are the planks of the fascist party of 1919. Oh, and by the way, lest you, uh, be led astray by our uh, wizards of smart in the mil- or in the uh, media. Um, Mussolini was the uh, yeah yeah he was the editor of the socialist newspaper Avanti, which means forward, forward. This is every time I see the word forward used by progressives, the modern left. That's what I think of. This is what I think of. Whenever, I mean, I learned this, I don't know, 20 years ago. Forward was the, that was the socialist uh, paper. Mussolini worked there. He was a card-carrying member of the Socialist Party. He has a lot of quotes. I've got them. He's got a lot of quotes about how he's a socialist and what fascism is, is an offshoot of, or a uh, in the Hegelian sense where you destroy, uh, you know, the the all of these pieces in order to tease out the perfected pieces and then make something better. And you're in this constant uh, reiteration, reiterative kind of a process. So you, this is what he was about. And that's what fascism was. It is a left-wing ideology, despite what you hear from the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, this is what they're all in on this idea that fascism is some sort of right-wing political philosophy. And it most certainly is not. It comes from the left, and it it always has, always has. 
And when you look at the party platform of the Mussolini fascists, you can see why it comes from the left. These are not things of the right. Now, the only connection is this idea of nationalism, right? That they love their country and put us first. And so they make this connection, say with Trump, America first. And so because of that one similarity, that one overlap, that makes it, that makes the right fascist. Which, of course, it doesn't. Now, if you want to use the term authoritarian or tyrannical or whatever, that's different. But fascism is of the left, and it always has been. There's a rewrite occurring. And the reason this is occurring is because of what has happened in Italy. And what, and not just in Italy, by the way. There are several other countries. We're going to get into this. But this really is uh, coming to a boil now in Europe with the election uh, of this, quote, right-wing or far-right new prime minister of Italy, uh, Georgia Maloney, who, according to, well, I don't know where this actually comes from, but she seems poised, I think this is from AP or maybe New York Times, poised to grab her own brass ring after decades in the political trenches. She said her understanding of power and its ability to corrupt and isolate a person was closely tied to Tolkien's reading. Quote, I consider power very dangerous. I consider it an enemy and not a friend. Right. As all true right-wing fascist dictator uh, uh, tyrants believe power to be, right? It's an enemy, not a friend. Mm -hmm. Being skeptical of power. Classic fascism. News Talk 1110, 99.3, WBT. All of a sudden, everybody wants to talk about Italy and fascism. Specifically, Italian fascism. Is there any other kind? But also, particularly, Benito Mussolini. Uh, Read to you the planks from the platform of the 1919 fascist platform, fascist party in Italy. And uh, Tom Elliott of Grabian Media put together a series of tweets that uh, he actually ripped off of Jonah Goldberg, who, despite where he is at now, um, he actually wrote a book years ago called Liberal Fascism. And he actually went over and made the case very compellingly that, uh, yes, fascism is of the left because it obviously is of the left. So um, Tom goes through and pulls a bunch of examples and he, points out that, you know, this Italian fascism strain, it was not right-wing, but rather it was another collectivist or statist ideology that wor- that was worshipped among left-wing intellectuals of the day. If you go back and read the contemporaries uh, of Mussolini in America, they, they were all down with him. They were down with Hitler, too, right? This was the uh, this was the the new thing. This was oh look at this fancy philosophy that wait a minute not only gets me elected but gives me more power and I can use it to crush my enemies. This is fantastic. Yeah, progressivism. This era of quote progressivism, um, you know, under Woodrow Wilson and uh, and then you know gained steam, but it's all uh, afterwards. But it's all it, it's all in this lineage of Marxism and neo Marxism, and that's what fascism comes out of. So Tom Elliott says, as, as uh, Jonah Goldberg 
documented in his book on the subject, every liberal man of letters in the 1920s and 30s saw Mussolini as a hero. One of FDR's New Deal architects, a fellow by the name of Redford Guy Tugwell. Redford Guy Tugwell. So the guy's name is Red Guy Tugwell. He's got four regular words for names. That's interesting. Red Guy. It also sounds like, okay, well, I mean, if you drop, well, yeah, you don't even drop the first name. It does sound like a name from an, a, an adult film. Anyway, uh, he wrote of Italian fascism, it is the cleanest, neatest, most efficiently operating piece of social machinery I've ever seen. It makes me envious. That was one of FDR's New Deal architects who said that he was envious of fascism. Yeah, it's of the right, don't you see? Obviously so. Hollywood produced a film celebrating Mussolini's rise. Columbia University created a whole department studying Italian fascism. Over three years, the New York Times and other publications treated Mussolini to more than 100 glowing profiles. Stalin only got 15. Mussolini, described by Lida Raffanelli, who was an intellectual and a writer. Oh, and by the way, his mistress uh, is the, quote, socialist of the heroic times. Italian socialist Olinda Vernocci said, uh, Benito, you are not only the representative of the Romagna socialists, but the Duce, the leader of all revolutionary socialists in Italy. But why are people in Mussolini's time calling him a socialist? Oh, here's a better question. Why is Mussolini calling himself a socialist? He said, 12 years of my life in the Socialist Party ought to be sufficient guarantee of my socialist faith. Socialism is in my blood. I am and shall remain a socialist, and my convictions will never change. They are bred into my very bones. He wrote also that it was necessary to kill off the old socialist party in favor of his fascist party in order to save socialism. And again, this is one of the key concepts that underpins this progressive, this Marxist ideology, that you're constantly destroying things, institutions and countries and peoples and cultures and and histories in order to pull out the one piece that's perfected and then you build all this other new stuff and eventually you achieve utopia. This is why when socialists say, oh, it real, it real socialism has never been tried. That's part of the dialectic. That's part of the process, the praxis. This, this is what has to occur in order to get the perfected version of the state. Yeah, kind of terrifying. Talk 1110-993-WBT. We are all Italians today. I mean, not all of us. I'm not. Like, I have no... I'm Irish. Uh, so I don't have any... Uh, uh, I have no Italian answer. My aunt married an Italian, and then she learned how to cook really good Italian food. But aside from that, no. Um, so Italian fascism, and especially Benito Mussolini, all in the news, being accused of being right-wingers, which... Look, Mussolini self-described himself as a socialist, self-identified as a socialist, and as the crimes of the Nazis, because remember, he hooked up with the Nazis during the World War II stuff, and then uh, 
when the Soviets turned on Italy, and then all of a sudden everybody started shifting alliances, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea Hitler was doing all these terrible things. Then the American left began its furious effort to rewrite history and insist fascism had been right-wing all along. Right, this is standard. This is, uh, the you know, down the memory hole goes the accurate information, and all of a sudden uh, you get things like, uh, you know, the, the big lie. No, not with, not with the media and Democrats, but I repeat myself. Uh, uh, now, what they're saying is the big lie now. The big lie for years has been that uh, all of the racists jumped from the Democrat Party into the Republican Party after the Civil Rights Act, when LBJ signed it. Because LBJ, being president, signing the bill, that made all the, the racists in the Democrat Party switch sides. Uh, it just took them like 30 years to do so. Because that's the immediacy of of racism as the compelling interest for <laughs> for the Republican voters, right? It's just like this slow movement over like thirty years. It finally took them all to to leave the Democrat Party, even though it was Republicans that right that got the Civil Rights Act passed, and it was the Republicans that freed the slaves and Abraham Lincoln and you know all of that, and the Fusion Party and Democrats like murdered a bunch of. Black people and Republicans, the fusionists down in Wilmington, the race riots in 1898 and all that. It doesn't matter. Right? When, when you need to rewrite history to obscure political ties to, you know, some questionable, problematic actors, Democrats are all about it. And so now they're trying to recast fascism as this right-wing phenomena, even though it obviously is not. And anybody who looks at what fascism is and looks at the uh, the tenets of it and as it was in practice, and you listen to the leaders of the fascists, they all talk about socialism. It's all of the left. Of course, the people that are telling us fascism is, is of the right are the same people that try to tell us that Nazism is of the right as well. Literally, the national socialists are supposed to be of the right. Because, again, true socialism has never been tried. Also, communism. That was of the right, we are being told, right? That's of the right also. It wasn't really communism. Real communism hasn't been tried either, of course. FDR. FDR, the architect of the modern left and the patriarch of neoliberalism, admitted to drawing considerable inspiration from the fascist uprisings led by both Hitler and Mussolini prior to the outbreak of World War II. Joseph Kennedy, Prescott Bush, they were both waist-deep in cash derived from shaking the bloody hand of Hitler. FDR and his foremost cheerleaders at the time specifically espoused open support for the efficiency of Mussolini and Hitler, and they welcomed fascism, minus the war, at home. This is John Griffin at the Daily Caller. Roosevelt himself once called Mussolini admirable, adding that he was, quote, deeply impressed by what he has accomplished. Gosh, that almost sounds like the criticism of Donald Trump and his comments about Putin, right? Mussolini, writing of Roosevelt's many reforms, wrote, quote, reminiscent of fascism is the principle that the state no longer leaves the economy to its own devices without question the mood accompanying this sea change resembles that of fascism it's state control with a veneer of free markets with a veneer of private ownership it's just a facade it doesn't 
really matter. You can own the company, you know, you can own this manufacturing facility, but everything you do is dictated by the state through rules and regulations. So, yes, you own the company, but do you own the company? Is it really yours? You can't do anything that you want to do with it because you're so tightly controlled by the state. That's fascism, economic fascism. That's what the whole thing was. That's what Mussolini's talking about here. Here's FDR advisor again. Uh, oh, this is this says Rexford. I don't know if it's Rexford or, or Red. I don't know. Rex Guy Tugwell? That might actually be a better name of... Anyway, um... Anyway, this guy Tugwell said of Italian fascism, quote, it's the cleanest, neatest, most efficiently operating piece of machinery I've ever seen. He said it makes him envious. He went on to say, quote, I find Italy doing many of the things which seem to me necessary. Mussolini certainly has the same people opposed to him as FDR does. Interesting. So the same people who opposed Mussolini opposed FDR's efforts. What are we to make of that? How about the editor of the New Republic? That is not a right-wing publication, nor was it back in the day. The editor at the time, George Soule, or Soule, or Soule, Soule. Anyway, he uh, avidly supported FDR, and he noted approvingly that the Roosevelt administration was, quote, trying out the economics of fascism. Hmm. How about New York Times? Right now, they're uber-concerned about fascism and Where is it? It's undermining our democracy. New York Times reporter Ann O'Hare McCormick wrote fawningly in the aftermath of Roosevelt's inauguration that the administration envisages a federation of industry, labor, and government after the fashion of the corporative state as it exists in, as David Gray would say, Italy. This is love in Italy. That's right. Italy. At the National Recovery Administration, the NRA, not that NRA, the National Recovery Administration, which is a Roosevelt agency created under the New Deal, they put out a report that said, quote, the fascist principles are very similar to those we have been evolving here in America under Roosevelt. That's his administration. He's trying to emulate what right wing is uh, right wingerism. That's what we're to believe. FDR was a right-winger? At his first inauguration address, FDR practically adapted the verbiage of Europe's ominous strongman. He said, if, we go, if we're to go forward, we must move as a trained and loyal army, willing to sacrifice for the good of a common discipline. We are, I know, ready and willing to submit our lives and property to such discipline because it makes possible a leadership which aims at a larger good. I assume... Unhesitatingly, the leadership of this great army, I shall ask the Congress for the one remaining instrument to meet the crisis, broad executive power to wage a war against the emergency, as great as the power that would be given to me if we were, in fact, invaded by a foreign foe. Right, because that's what limited government people are all about, right? That's what fascism for limited government folks, that's what it's all about. Broad executive power. You know, like forgiving college student loans, even though you're not constitutionally allowed to do so. Stuff like that, right? As long as we're throwing around terms like fascist, I don't think it's too much to ask that we actually know what the terms mean. Uh, Well, actually, it might be. In today's day and age, it might be.
Talk 1110 WBT. Alrighty, so now that we have kind of an understanding of uh, fascism, Italian fascism, as David Gray sang about. This is love in Italy. I don't know, I just, every time I'm talking about this story, I just, I, I cannot get David Gray's song out of my head. It's just, it's constantly there. Every time I read, like I'm reading, The Earthquake in Italy, and it's like, right there. Italy. Yeah, right there. So The Earthquake in Italy has sent tremors that could be felt in the White House. No, it didn't. There are no tremors. Okay? There, it's not an earthquake. But this is Politico. Piece by Jonathan Lemire. 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 Whatever. Uh, the victory of Italian far-right leader. See, she's a far-right leader. I, I feel the need to point this out. Whenever you're talking about Europe, modern-day politics in Europe, generally speaking... Anything on the right in Europe is still probably on the left in America. Okay? <laughs> Just, it's, their far right would probably be like Mitt Romney, you know? He would be an extremist, you know, kind of like uh, Joe Biden called him back in uh, uh, 2012. So the victory of Italian far right leader, Giorgia Meloni, rattled Europe. Furthering fears about a new right-wing shift on the continent, as it, which actually now I think that puts it into Asia. If it if it keeps shifting that way, Europe is now Asia. Anyway, uh, sorry, I realize I'm telling this joke to an American audience, and it is our birthright not to know geography. So that is my bad. Know your audience. Anyway, uh, so this is. Uh, uh, this this shift on the continent as it battles economic hardship and nervously watches a raging war on its eastern flank. It was also met with deep, if private, worry within President Joe Biden's administration. The White House put a brave public face on it. Like, oh my gosh, really? Are you children? Who you are you talking about? Children? Do you think your audience is children? The White House put a brave public face on it. Like, <sighs> Okay, she won the. You realize she's the first Italian prime minister who's a woman. Where are all of the identity politics stories about the first woman? Oh my gosh, what a what a milestone! Where are all of those stories? The White House noted that Meloni's win was the will of the Italian people, while expressing confidence that Italy would remain a steadfast partner with the West. The Italian leader's victory, the first for the nation's far right. Like, they just can't describe her as anything other than far right. Why do you consider everybody, are, are all of the, like, literally the communists who run for these offices in Europe, like, are, are, do you consider them to be far left? Do you, do you brand them as such? The nation's far right, uh, since World War II underscored for the White House what it perceives as a concerning trend for the continent, which has also seen right-wing wins in Sweden and Hungary, as well as inroads made in nations such as France. To this point, the Western unity has held. But the stunning win in where? You know. This year's love in Italy. That stunning win in Italy comes as the alliance's resolve will be tested by what looms as a cold, dark winter for Europe. 
With the continent cut off from Russia's energy supplies, its resolve tested by rising prices and plunging temperatures. What's amazing is Politico writes all of that and can't figure out why this woman won on a platform of, hey, everybody, this really stinks. Vote for me and I'm going to fix this stuff because it's the policies of the leftists that drove us here. There's like no ability, there's no recognition, there's no comprehension that all of these things, the continents cut off from energy supplies, rising prices, plunging temperatures, a cold, dark winter looming for Europe. And they're like, I don't know why uh, this woman is so popular talking about pushing back on these things. Because that's what she's been doing. By the way, under the previous uh, prime minister, Mario Draghi, Draghi? Drag high. Anyway, Italy played an important role in a Europe devoid of many strong leaders, helping shape the continent's response to COVID recovery, economic issues, and Russia's assault on Ukraine. But Italy has now turned away from the European mainstream and could ally itself with the nationalist leaders in Hungary and Poland. So, they, all right, so we got Sweden, we got Hungary, we got Poland, and now Italy. And they're... They're turning away from European mainstream, and they could be aligning with other nationalist leaders. Well, what does a nationalist leader mean? It means like, hey, uh, we're Polish. I'm the Polish leader, and I'm in charge of Poland, and my people are the Polish people, and I'm going to look out for my Polish people. Uh, we're part of the European Union. I get it. But, uh, you know, I'm Polish, and we have a, we have a nation and we'll work with the European Union, you know, kind of like the Brits with their Brexit. You know, they left the EU stuff, too. Are we so like there's this there's this mainstream idea that we are led to believe by Politico that all of Europe is on board with the EU and this this, you know, international governing authority over all of them. But what we're seeing is pushback. From leaders of these countries. Why? Because the people that are electing these leaders are not too thrilled with the way things are going under the internationalist rule. Right? Dare I call them globalists? Brussels, the seat of power for the EU. Right? They've been making some decisions on various economic things and uh, the people have been suffering and they're not too thrilled with it so they're electing people in their own countries to push back and that's what this woman is as well as the other leaders of the other countries that i just mentioned wait a minute hang on a second david gray's not saying italy hang on